All right, what's up, guys? Welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Soup Podcast. It is Monday, July the 17th, 2017. And like we said last week, I was off Wednesday through Friday, but now back into the podcast. Hope you're ready for a lot more SEC basketball stuff coming your way throughout the offseason. And then we will certainly continue to crank things up as we push closer to November to the start of the regular season. It'll be here uh, soon, very, very soon. It doesn't feel like it's that far off anymore. Uh, so we're getting closer and closer. And with that, uh, as I put out on Twitter, I finally have gotten to the point to where I feel comfortable with my first set of SEC basketball preseason power rankings. Um, and that's that's very unusual because throughout this entire summer, as I've continued to tell you guys, what I've tried to do is to really take a deep dive into each team and survey kind of the outlook for the upcoming season. It's something that a lot of people do. Uh, as you guys know, I never stop talking about SEC basketball, so I probably dive a bit deeper sometimes than I need to. It's probably, uh, you know, kind of makes your head spin sometimes when you can digest so much information on each of these teams and certainly. Uh, things are continuing to change when we talk about guys that, that may be transferring, guys who may be coming in as freshmen in this 2017 class that specifically we were not sure may be there, which certainly uh, the one guy you could point to in that situation is Jonte Porter at Missouri. How does he affect where Missouri winds up? But with all that said, I finally got to the point, and this has not happened throughout this entire process, I have not changed my order at all in the past few days and and going back um it was very easy to do over the past month month and a half or so it was easy for for each day to kind of say okay i'm going to move this team up because i think they have better options here or better options there i'm going to move this team down because i'm not quite sure that they have proven enough yet for me to rank them this highly it was a constant battle. And so, you know, for the past several days, I've not moved anyone because I think I finally feel pretty comfortable with where things are. Now, as we know, what will probably be, what probably happen is a guy may come out tomorrow and transfer. A guy may be added to a class this season, may join the team sooner than we expected, and that may change everything. But for now, I do feel pretty comfortable in where they are, and like I've continued to say, these will be coming out very soon. As I talked about, I think I started talking about this the 1st of June, late May. I said they'd be out at some point, late July, early August, and we're approaching that point. And, you know, I'm going to make sure that these are very in-depth. I'm going to let you know why I think Team A is going to be the third best team in the SEC, or Team B is going to be the 12th best team in the SEC, and I'm going to give you reasons why that is and reasons why these teams could outperform where I have them. Because, again, when we talk about the separation in the SEC this year, it's going to be very small. Uh, there are going to be a lot of teams that, that have the potential to finish in a fifth spot or could they, they could go down to somewhere like 10th or 11th. That's how close it is. There's so much little, there's little room for error in the SEC this season. I think that's the best way to put it especially when you're talking about the teams at the top, because I don't think there are any givens at the top going into the season. And I will go ahead and tell you that now. 
Um, I do not think at the top there is a 100% guaranteed team you can look at and say that is definitely your regular season champion. Last year, I thought you could do that with Kentucky. This year, I'm not quite sure you can do that with Kentucky. And it's not because I think Kentucky's going to be a bad team. It's just that I think because everyone else around Kentucky, the, the teams two through four, maybe two through five, are going to be that much improved that I think they're going to give themselves a chance to really make that push for an SEC regular season title. And that's going to make things harder on a team like Kentucky um, and on the other teams that, that are expected to be near the top. So th- that's the main theme. I think when we look at this from the outside before the season starts, I just think there's going to be so little room for error all across the board uh, because the competition level is going to increase dramatically. Um, and it's, again, like we continue to talk about, it's because of all these good freshmen. It's because of all the returning talent. It's just a combination of different things. And when I look at the SEC right now, and I said this last year, I thought last year you could put it into three different tiers. You could have a for sure contenders NCAA tournament type of tier where you felt like the teams in that, that tier, that first tier, were going to be in the NCAA tournament. I feel that way. Uh, this season, I feel like there is a tier at the top that could contain, quite honestly, four or five teams that I think are pretty much a lock to make the NCAA tournament. Then you go to that next tier, and you're talking about, you know, maybe six, seven teams possibly that could be considered in that next tier to where you say, okay, if everything comes together, yeah, I, I think this team has enough pieces to where they could possibly be on the NCAA tournament bubble, have a chance to give the SEC six or seven teams uh, when when the names are announced on Selection Sunday. Now, certainly you're not going to have all those teams get in there from that second tier, Uh, but I do think, you know, like I said, you could have anywhere from five to seven teams possibly that you could make a case for and say, okay, I could see this team having a shot. And that's why, again, we talk about the competitiveness that's going to be a big factor. And then there is a third tier, and I think the third tier is the tier you kind of look at and say, okay, although some of these teams may be better than possibly they were last year in some cases, it's hard to see them making a dramatic rise to the top just because of how much better everyone else has gotten. And so that's the way I look at it right now, and I will, again, I will explain that in in more detail when I do my written piece, and it will be a written sort of piece on uh, on the power rankings like I do like I did before last season and it will be you know kind of cover all this different stuff and kind of just the thoughts looking around at the conference as a whole seeing what is possible and how many teams could make it to the NCAA tournament uh, it is it, it, I just continue to say this but it's so fascinating to me when you kind of break down the rosters on all these different teams, because I think you have a lot of teams that have very few weaknesses. And and even the teams that do have glaring weaknesses, there are players there that could solve those weaknesses if they kind of reach their potential. And so um, it's so hard to predict. It's going to be impossible. And as I've also said, uh, when you look at my first set of power rankings that are going to come out here shortly, keep in mind that, that these will likely change before the season starts. And keep in mind that these are nothing more than preseason power rankings, which means 
They are not set in stone. They do not, you know, rule over anything. They are just, my opinion, where on paper right now these teams look like they are. And it will continue to change. It'll change as we get closer to the start of the season. It will certainly change once the season gets started. Uh, but it is. It's a lot of fun to kind of dive into these teams, place them here or there. Uh, that is certainly something that, that is very enjoyable to do, even if it's very difficult at times as well uh, when you think about all the possible scenarios that could play out from 1 through 14 in the SEC. So keep sending in uh, you know, all your thoughts on that on Twitter. You guys are doing an awesome job on that. Some of you have already sent me your power rankings. I asked specifically how many teams you thought would make the NCAA tournament from the SEC. Got a lot of great responses on that, and quite frankly, that right there proves what I've said so far in that a lot of you, you know, there have been a lot of people that have replied and there have been a lot of different teams mentioned. Um, you know, I'd have to go back and look at it, but I'd venture to say that, you know, 10, 11 SEC teams have been mentioned in some form or fashion. Uh, so so that just shows you. I think everyone else kind of feels the same way and that it's going to be very unpredictable. And because you have so many good coaches because you have so much good young talent, joining experienced talent in some places, it's going to make for, for just an awesome season. But let's go ahead and dive into uh, the other topic for the podcast today, and we will continue to do what we've been doing here the past several weeks, and that is going through the non-conference schedules for SEC teams. And two particular non-conference schedules came out last week and obviously came out while I was uh, you know, not doing the podcast Wednesday through Friday. And so let's touch on one of those for today. And that is the Florida Gators who released their non-conference slate. Um, and, you know, we should know this by now with Florida. It's going to be a slate that's loaded with a lot of really good teams. I mean, you look back at last year, Florida had one of the toughest schedules in the country. And and as we've said before, it paid off because they got to the Elite Eight. The Gators will kick off their season on Monday, November the 13th, as they will take on Gardner-Webb. That is in Gainesville. They'll come back on Thursday Take on North Florida, who finished third in the A-Sun last year. Matt Driscoll there trying to get that North Florida team, continuing to go back up the ladder in the A-Sun. Uh, so maybe that's a team, kind of a sneaky good mid-major team to watch out for. I think the A-Sun could be a lot of fun to watch this year. Um, and then, you know, then we start the official uh, Phil Knight Invitational Games, the PK-80. Florida will host New Hampshire at the O'Connell Center on November the 19th, and that will just be one of those, you know, kind of play-at-home games, uh, which is technically a part of the PK-80. Uh, but then after that, that's where you really start uh, to see this schedule pick up uh, significantly. And Florida, once they get to Portland to play in that Invitational, they will take on Stanford in the first game there. Look, I mean, Jared Hass has got a really good recruiting class. I think Stanford's a team that a lot of people look around right now and feel like they're going to be one of those Pac-12 teams that takes a, a really ginormous step forward of sorts. I think they're going to have an opportunity to do that this year, the Pac-12 getting stronger and stronger. And so Stanford is going to present a, a very interesting challenge for the Gators because I think Stanford could be a very well-rounded team, and they're certainly going to be better than they were a year ago with the young talent there as well. So, And then after that, the Florida will take on either Ohio State or Gonzaga. I mean, look, either way you go there, you know, Chris Holtman is certainly going to have to to probably get things back on track at Ohio State. It may not happen right away, but a Chris Holtman coach team is going to battle. They're going to be in the game. Uh, and then Gonzaga, what else can you say? They get to the national championship game last year, lost a lot of pieces from that 
but but I think they feel confident in the guys that are going to be able to step up there and replace some of those significant you know pieces on that runner-up team. Uh, so either way, there that's certainly going to help Florida's you know strength of schedule in terms of I think either one of those games uh, should be pretty fun to watch. And then after that, you don't know who it's going to be in the in the championship on Sunday. It would be either Duke, Butler, Texas, or Portland State. You know, three of those four teams you could look at and say Duke, Butler, Texas. Any of those matchups w- would be a, a lot of fun to watch, would be highly entertaining. Uh, Duke is certainly going to be among the top five teams in the country when the season starts. Uh, Texas will be much better with Mo Bamba now. Shaka Smart's going to have a chance there to really take a, take a stride, uh, take a step forward and there with the Longhorns. And then, you know, how does Butler go now without Holtman at the helm? How, how do they go forward? Laval Jordan there. Um, and so that's that's a lot of question marks. But that is a loaded field. We've talked about this before, just how stacked that roster is of teams in, in the PK-80. Uh, so Florida's certainly going to be tested there and have an opportunity to kind of build that resume we always talk about once we get to March. Uh, so that tournament is a must-see tournament without a doubt. And then, as if that wasn't enough, the Gators will get a nice little break, but they'll, then they'll come home on Monday, December the 4th, to take on Florida State. We know what that gonna, we know what that game's going to kind of give us. Uh, you know, the Seminoles are going to be another very good team in the ACC, and it's a Florida-Florida State game. We usually get some very entertaining games out of that, uh, some very close competitive games, and so that will be a fun game. You know, it's at the O'Connell Center, uh, so the Gators will have the home court advantage there and what will be, uh, you know, an exciting game uh, without a doubt. And then Loyola Chicago comes to Gainesville a couple days later, and then Florida continues to add these power conference teams that have a chance to really have some good seasons. Uh, they'll get Cincinnati in Newark, New Jersey at the Never Forget Tribute Classic. And Cincinnati, I mean, look at look at what they did last year. They won 30 games, uh, lost in the second round, got a tough matchup against UCLA. Uh, but Mick Cronin has proved time and time again that, you know, he, he can reload with talent. And I think he's going to have a lot of talent there this year. Uh, are they going to win 30 games? Probably not. But it's going to be another very good team. And so that will certainly present, uh, you know, some interesting matchups there between these two teams. And then after that, Florida continues with a a big conference name in that they'll play Clemson at the Orange Bowl Classic in Sunrise. And, you know, Clemson, I think it's going to be a very big year for Brad Brownell there. I mean, I think after last season, many people wondered if he would return as Clemson head coach. And he did. And, you know, that was after a season where they went 17-16. and 16. Most people going into the year thought that if he didn't make the NCAA tournament, if he didn't have a good season, he was gone. But he's back, and so it's certainly a very important year for him there at Clemson. Um, and I think they're going to be a competitive team. But the, the question is, you know, how are they going to move forward? Uh, Jerron Blossom game's gone. And so that that's the question mark. How, how are they going to move forward now? Uh, and really try to stay afloat there in an ACC that just continues to, to get tougher and tougher by the year. And so that will be another uh, you know one you want to circle if you're a Florida fan because that could be a game. By that point, you know we're talking December the 16th, you don't really know where Clemson's going to be. So James Madison next on the schedule, and that will be in Gainesville and then Incarnate Word as well before Christmas. Uh, and then to wrap up the non-conference slate for the Gators, they will get Baylor in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, which takes place on January the 27th. 
Uh, Baylor, you know what Scott Drew's going to bring. He's going to bring a team that's very tough. Uh, they're going to be a physical team, and it's just a matter of kind of seeing where they are at that point in the season. And we've talked about these before and these other ones we've done. Um, you know, it, it's just a matter of seeing where teams are. So many things can happen between the start of the season and late January. I mean, we're already deep into conference play that you don't really know where any of these teams could be, but I think we do know this for sure, and I, and I think is going to be a very good team. They're going to have a chance to be a top 20, top 25 kind of team, and so um, that that will be a very good game. I mean, that's one that Florida's, you know, got to be excited that they get that one at home uh, because, you know, I think Baylor's going to be a, a very interesting team this year, and they're going to have a chance to once again, under Scott Drew, get to the NCAA tournament, and they were finally able to kind of get past uh, you know, that, that those kind of first-round woes where they got to the Sweet 16 this past year but got beat by South Carolina by 20. So um, there you go. There are the Gators. Uh, that is their schedule in the non-conference. Like we said, you look back at the PK-80. They had the games with Florida State, Cincinnati, Clemson, and then the Baylor game in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Florida is going to be challenged for sure in the non-conference, but we go back to what I said when we first started talking about this. Look how it paid off last year, and look how it's paid off in recent years. Uh, when the Gators schedule tough, it gets them prepared for March, and I think that's what all coaches want to do is they want their team to be prepared for March, and Mike White's going to have a team that will be tested, not just certainly in the SEC, uh, but when you talk about this non-conference schedule, it's going to present uh, a lot of good games, and I think Florida will be certainly be a better team uh, for playing a lot of these games, especially when you look back at that PK-80 field. Uh, that is going to be just so much fun to watch. So there you have it for today's episode of Southeast Hoops Podcast. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes. Just search for Southeast Hoops. You can get it sent to you. Subscribe. You can get it sent to your phone as soon as they go up every single day. And like I said, continue to support SEC basketball. And thank you, as always, for listening to the podcast. A lot more fun stuff on the way uh, throughout the week. And we will continue to move closer and closer Uh, to these power rankings, these mysterious power rankings that I continue to talk about all the time. But uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun when it comes out. It'll be a lot of good topics of discussion. And keep your discussion coming over on Twitter. I'll have a lot more stuff on the way over there as well. So thanks as always for listening to the podcast, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow.